love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, professional triathlete, Haley Chura. Haley, I think that despite the fact that neither of us were racing this past weekend, it seemed like we had our hands full just kind of getting a grasp on what was going on in the world of triathlon, because it seems like there's a lot, there's also a lot of track and field going on. It's like summer's in full swing, racing's in full spring swing. <laughs> I don't even know if I can keep track of it all these days, but I think you're here to help me and we're going to do a little run through of some of the racing that has been going on. Yeah, it was a busy, busy weekend of racing. And um, I think, you know, in Europe and in the United States, we touched on it a little bit last week uh, when we were talking about some of the age group races, we were excited to follow um, our favorite Coeur d'Alene, which does not have a pro race this year, but the races that did have a pro race, Tremblant, which is another, have you ever raced in Mont Tremblant, Alyssa? I have not. And now that it's just a stone throw away, I feel like from where I live now, I definitely want to get there to do a race at some it's, point. It is like Ironman Disneyland. I haven't done the half. I've done the full. And I will say when I did the full, I was like, this would be a great half. Um, <laughs> I say that about every full. <laughs> well, it's kind of like one of those courses like Coeur d'Alene where it's like, you know, one loop is plenty. Like that yeah. was fun. Like one loop was fun. We don't need to do it again. Um, but uh, that was, you know, a little bit of a controversial race there because Flora Duffy, uh, Olympic yeah, yeah, yeah. I champion, wanted to race there trying to get a 70.3 world slot, which I think is a surprise to me that she didn't already have a 70.3 world slot. I guess last year they offered her a wild card because she was the Olympic gold medalist, but I guess that was only for one year. Um, so she did need to qualify, didn't race, you know, planned to race Chattanooga, got COVID, didn't race there planned to race in Tremblant and I think her bike didn't show up. So she was not able to start the race there, which is a bummer. You know, it is. Yeah. Flora's 2022, I feel like has been off to a bumpy start. So hoping she's able to like stay positive. She's had COVID now twice, I believe this season, like since the start of the new year. Yeah. And then, um, these, these issues, I feel like her luck has got to turn and she's, um, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed chatting with her and I feel like her disposition definitely isn't like asking for unlucky things to be happening to her, you know, um, or anything like that. So hopefully things turn and I would love to see her at 70.3 worlds. I think that is an addition that needs to happen obviously for this year. I know. I think there might be a little bit of a campaign to see if they can get her a wild card slot to race in St. George in October. So we'll see what happens, but I know she'll get there eventually and it'll be worth the wait. But I mean, Olympic gold medalists, they're just like us bad things happen to them well too. you know what actually along those veins i think i just saw an instagram story from summer rapaport that her bike was lost wow. and i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but i think it was air canada also and so i think she just recently because i think that was flora's too right so uh, yeah. yeah i don't again i don't i mean i, I feel don't like every... i don't want to ruin any any <laughs> potential iron women sponsors one day, but I don't have a lot of faith in air Canada right now. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, every airline is definitely, I mean, everything I read, every report is just travel is a nightmare right now. 
and uh, someone with a little bit of travel on the horizon that makes me a little nervous, but I'm like, you just got to go with the flow. But congratulations to Tamara Jewett, you know, who did win that race. Amber Ferreira, another Iron Woman past Iron Woman podcast guest came in second. Great to see her racing again. And Rachel Olson coming in third. So yeah, we've talked to that whole, uh, podium in the past couple of years. So, um, still a great race see, and see what happens. If you, uh, interview with iron women, you get on podium. Yes. Like that's actually, yeah. Tried and true. But speaking of travel, I mean, it was Elsinore in, uh, is that Denmark or is that, is that right? You've been to Denmark. I've been to Denmark, but I haven't been to Elsinore, but I've only, been to a tiny part of Denmark. I hope so I, I have can't the... say it. it sounds like that maybe, but it also sounds like it could be in yeah, Sweden. Yeah, it's Copenhagen. It's near. It's okay. north of Copenhagen. There's a map feature. Oh, that is where I this, went. So uh, on the Ironman, yeah, there's like a little map feature. But then I just tried to like oh, zoom out, and it looks like it looks like near Copenhagen. I think it's Denmark. Okay. So okay. we're learning geography as we go. But um, that was a championship race, seventy point three European Championship, and. Emma Pallant took that win. Ash Gentle, second. India Lee, third. We have not talked to India Lee, so maybe we need to get her on our radar. <laughs> um, so our, our podium uh, our podium streak just ended. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> but it's just because it hasn't happened yet. We're, we're right. working on that. Um, but no, stack field there, as you can imagine, just because with it being a championship race and, um, you know, very fast course there. I think that's, you know, they're all real close to four hours and it looked like, you know, very fast day. And, and then there were a couple of Ironmans that full Ironman distance races that happened in Europe as well. Ironman Frankfurt, which we had a discussion about this because it was a very interesting setup where it was a championship race for the men, but not the women. And because the women had the championship race a couple of three weeks ago or something in um, Hamburg. So they, they, in Hamburg, they split the championship races for male and female. And so that meant at those championship races, there was still a race for the other, but it had less Kona spots and less prize money for them. So interesting approach, but in the end, it's a wash for equality. So we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. It works out. But it was like one of those things where I was like, wait, I definitely looked at those results and I was like, why are there so many fewer women than men? I mean, Europe has a reputation for, you know, definitely having more men typically on the start line than women, but, uh, this was like drastic and, uh, you and you and I help you help me get to the bottom of that. That it was it was a championship race for the men, not a championship for the women. But still, great racing. Daniela Blamel, Nikki Bartlett, Dimity Lee Duke. Um, you know, rounding out that podium there. So, uh, we see. I think you know Nikki Bartlett was in St. George, but I think Daniela Blamel did not race there. Dimity Lee Duke did not race in St. George. So we are kind of seeing some of these women who in Europe it was you know either travel restrictions or other reasons uh decided not to race in St. George but obviously still racing very well um same with uh Ironman France in Nice right that did that that happened this past weekend as well right yes 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 and and that that one and with those uh Alexander Tondor and then uh, Zelinka. I don't, I'm not Gabriella Zelinka. So some of these names I'm definitely not as familiar with. Um, and, but definitely that is a course that I admire anyone who races that course. <laughs> Having done that 70.3 in Nice. Um, I was going to say, that's another one where you probably finished the half and we're like, Hmm, I'm good here. <laughs> I finished the half and I was good with triathlon. Like, I could have been, I could have been, a, it could have been an Olympic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I still think about that one sometimes because I think I had a three hour bike split, which is 
Um, definitely my slowest pro bike split. And I also was like, I needed therapy after that descent. But then Julie Moss, we talked to Julie Moss afterwards and she felt the same way. And she had raced in these previously raced. I feel like they must have changed the bike course because these bike, I mean, the bike times aren't blazing, but they're not too slow. There's a lot of, there's a lot of routes around there, but it is very technical riding. Definitely not what I'm suited for. You will not catch me at Ironman France, but congratulations to everyone who did race there. It is spectacularly beautiful. And I will add that that race goes down in history as my best ever like post race because, um, I just like hung out on the beach and I got, I like, we paid for like the, you can buy or, or not buy rent, like a lounge chair on the beach. And it was worth every penny. And then I like ordered, I ordered a milkshake though, like a chocolate milkshake, which is bizarre. And it was not the same as a chocolate milkshake in the United States, but I drank it. It was still (laughs) delicious. And some like other adult beverages and um, snacks. I think I got some carrots, which is like very healthy post-race, but it was like, I was like, I need to do this more often. Why don't I do this more often? I'm like, probably because you're not on the French Riviera post race every race. Right. But anyway, great racing, um, you know, across the globe. And, uh, and then it doesn't, the fun doesn't end because this weekend there, do you know what's happening this oh, weekend? Wait, oh wait, did I miss it? Wait, I have the one, the one result that I managed oh. to scoop you on was that Paula Finley won the, and I could be like saying this name wrong, but I think not her name. Paula Finley is the correct name, but the name of the race was the Canadian, I want to say the Canadian World Championships, but it's obviously not the Canadian World Championships. It's like the Canadian Time Trial National Championships, I think is what it was. And she, I read a little article about, I knew she was um, racing and I read an article that said like she was definitely a dark horse for the other competitors. No one was really giving her too much of a time of day as the triathlete coming in. And then she smoked it. I think she was like, the clear winner by quite a bit and took top step of the podium. So that's good to see Paula getting, um, you know, outside, not really outside her comfort zone, I guess, because time trial is life, but, um, using that to capitalize on, on that race. So congrats, Paula. And yes, Haley, you're right though. This weekend, the racing yeah. fun continues. Well, wait, we have, I know, but I forgot one other that, okay. I don't know how to say, oh, no. Ka- okay. Well, challenge but this past weekend, that challenge Kaiser, while while Kaiser Walt 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 Sorry, my German. I am definitely butchering um all of the uh that. But um I think it was it was like Simone uh oh my goodness, where's the name? Um Kumhofer and then Lotta Wilms and Amy Zimmerman from the United States like traveled over to Europe. I mean we're not seeing that quite as much, but that was the podium there. But, um, anyway, I did want to throw that one out there too. I forgot that that race happened in Europe again. I'm definitely not as good as following the European circuit, but, but this weekend, like you said, big, big challenge race happening this weekend. Challenge wrote all of the fun. Like this race just looks so like so much fun. It's such a big event. It's so fun to follow all of the like media around it just makes it look like such a good time, which is why I enjoy following this race. Um, it's also good fast racing. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, we see Annie Haug back on that start list. I think the, you said that what the returning podium is coming back. Um, 
And yeah. so it Laura should be Siddle, good fast racing. Yeah. Who just Laura had Siddle. a really incredible race in St. George. You know, anyhow, both Laura, anyhow, Laura Siddle both had really incredible races in St. George and we'll race there. Finella, who Langridge, who rounded out the podium in last year in 2021 in Roth, I'll call it Roth. <laughs> um, she, uh, you know, I think she had, she raced solidly in St. George, which I think was her first like Ironman world championships. But you know that, uh, you know, I think, she's going to be ready for, again, not her first Roth. And so I think it's going to be fun to see that podium return. And then some good challengers like Judith Corcon, who did not race in St. George is going to be there. Rebecca Clark, who did not race in St. George, but we saw have a really good race at Ironman Australia, um, making that trip. And then Maya stage Nielsen, who did have a great race in St. George also in Roth. And so this is always one that's like so fun and the times are usually really fast. And I feel like with Kat Matthews going, you know, in, and Nicholas Spear going insanely fast times at the sub eight project, uh, Laura Phillips, eight eighteen in Hamburg, like we're getting used to like very, very fast times. So I'm like very curious what we're going to see Annie Haug do in, uh, in Roth. Torsten has her, Torsten at tryrating.com has her running a two fifty. That seems slow. I bet she yeah, runs that much faster than 250. I think so too. Come on, Torsten. You can give us a little <laughs> Well, that's bit more. what the stats say. Yeah. But I feel like she ran like a 245 there last year or something. I uh I think I you'll have, have to that. run something like three years in a row, and then Torsten might give you your seed time that's like within 10 minutes of that. She I think ran that's a 243 there last time. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't so know. Last year her her yeah, last year she went seven fifty. Wait, it says 753. Was it maybe something was short last year? Was the bike short last hmm. year? Yeah, 414 seems a little fast. Okay. So the bike might have been a little, I think it was a little short last year, but still 243. I think the marathon might have been. It oh was close. Gosh. It's still fast. <laughs> it's, but um, but definitely, I don't know. That's always one that's so fun to watch. I it's on my bucket list for sure. I gotta get myself to Europe some year, someday, someday in the distant future. But I do have a race coming up kind of soon, Alyssa. I'm going to race the Clash Watkins Glen. So um, talking about fun to Watkins Glen, I did. There's a nice little hike you can do there, actually, to see some waterfalls. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And this is like a part of the country I've never been to. And um, I'm wine tasting. It's well, like we sweet get, wine in that area, I think. So you have to like sweet wine, I think. Well, we get free entry into the wine festival post-race. It's going on nice. during the race. Yeah, it's happening. Whoa. Like I haven't done a clash race because I, but I've wanted to. It's just like, again, it's a little, travel's hard these days. And I'm um, getting to the East Coast, but I decided I am going to do it. I've actually, I have some extra time padded in. So fingers crossed everything goes smooth. But if it doesn't, I have you know, I'm like prepared. Um, I will bring, you know, extra books and extra snacks for if there's any extra layovers. Um, and maybe I would, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I could run the bike course, but 50 miles is a little hard, but anyway, I have never been to the finger lengths region of upstate New York. I'm very excited to see it. And everyone says it's so beautiful. And then I think, you know, this is a, the run is on the race course at Watkins Glen, but I hear it's very hilly. Have, wait, so have you actually been to the race course, the run? I don't think I've been to, well, actually, yes, technically I have, because I think when we were walking to that hike, we walked and there was like on the street, it said like start or finish or something. Like, I think it was part of the race course that we were on, but that whole area is incredibly hilly. Um, so you're going to do really well because you love hills. You run really well in hills. Um, I do so, love hills. I'm telling yeah, myself. So that's actually really, really good for you. The bike probably won't be super hilly, but it should be rolling, I imagine. And then the swim, I've never swum in that lake, but looks nice. 
Seneca Lake. I think, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's cold. That's like my, I, that's what I'm hoping for. But again, I, I love using triathlon as a way to visit new places and meet new people. And so that is sort of, uh, that's one of my reasons I, I haven't really raced in the Northeast. So I think this is a chance to do that. So at the wine, this is your post-race project, Haley. At the wine festival, you should look for the Three Brothers Winery, I think it is. So that winery is the winery that did the um, Alexi Pappas Bravy Rosé. Oh, I wonder if I can try it. Oh, yeah. I, so cool. I ordered it from them when they did the pre-order. It's actually really good. It's like, a, I love Rosé. So it's like one of my go-tos, I feel like now that I would definitely order from them again and so yeah i think it's called three brothers you might have to double check me but i don't know um, anything I bet they'll about... be there i feel like why wouldn't they be i don't know anything about there, wine so. but i feel like this could be the chance to to learn something and yeah. i'm definitely gonna look for the bravey <laughs> rosé i feel like that's like perfect for for this situation but um definitely have that look to look forward to and Haley, for our listeners, we have just one thing. If you are listening to this on Thursday, June 30th, this is the day it comes out. So you are a top fan. You get a top fan badge and you have hours left, counting down the hours till midnight to get 30% off of any test at Inside Tracker. Um, this is a special promotion. It ends tonight, the day the podcast is dropping June 30th at midnight. I'm not sure if that's Eastern or Pacific, so just do it earlier. And 30% off, that's a huge deal. We've been talking about races. There's more races coming up. You're in the middle of the season. It's a really good time to try and uh, sneak that, you know, mid-season test in to make sure everything's going well and your body's kind of running strong and you're good to go for the latter half, half of the season. If you're listening after Thursday. Well, what's the code? Get like, a... Did we say what the code was? Oh. 30% off? Oh, no, I didn't say what the code. The 30% off code is... All caps, feisty ebook 30. We'll put it in the show notes. Feisty ebook 30. It's in the show notes. If you're listening after Thursday, then you're a medium fan. So you get a medium fan badge. And your code so is mean. the same as always, which isn't even a code. It's go to, it's go to insidetracker.com slash feisty. And that's how you get your 20% discount off of Inside Tracker. Definitely something everyone should be doing, uh, checking out their health. We love fans of all temperatures. The fan part is the important, whether you're top or whether you're, me whether you're well done or you're medium. But uh, but yes, great deal. We love Inside Tracker. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And we actually have an interview for you this week. Um, we This is one is kind of a little bit different because, you know, I love to talk to people who are a little bit behind the scenes in the sport because they help make the sport run and uh, they help us see the sport. And that's exactly what Deborah Castellanos does. She is a professional sports photographer. So you may have seen her work at races like Challenge Daytona, Challenge Miami, any of the world championships that have happened in St. George, as well as the LA triathlon last month. So Deb is based in Miami, Florida, but she does work with individual athletes, brands, as well as events. So she tells us how she became a sports photographer, what goes into capturing the special moments that you get to see in an Ironman distance race and how difficult that is. And she tells us about her personal favorite race day image. So we'll have that full conversation with Deb right after the break. Hi, Deb. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Hi, Elisa. Thank you for having me. So you are a slightly different guest for our show can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role within the endurance sports world? 
Yeah, so I am um, a sports photographer, and it's quite unique because I think I'm one of the only girls doing it uh, as of now, uh, or very few uh, ones. I'm based in Miami, Florida. I'm actually an architect. That's, you know, that's what I went to university for. And that's what I studied and, and worked in for a number of years. Um, but, you know, I think it was last June when I decided to sort of quit my job and just do this more full time because it was one of my passions for many, many years. And so how did you then kind of fall into like you know, photography within endurance sports world, were you an athlete as a kid? Like, do you, you know, do you do sports now? Like, is it just, are you a mm-hmm. fan of sports and that's just what has drawn you to it? Yeah. I think it all started when my running really like picked up, uh, I'd say maybe like 2017, I started really like training hard and then I would go a lot to, there's like a place here in Miami called Key Biscayne, which is like a little heaven for athletes. And there's a lot of triathletes and runners that go there. So I started going and started surrounding myself with triathletes. And um, I, you know, I've had photography as a hobby and one of my passions since I was really, really young. So my dad is actually a photographer. So I guess that's where I get it from. And, you know, when I started just running more and training for the marathon and I would see like triathletes and it it sort of hit me that I wanted to join you know my passion for sports and photography but I feel like what was what was interesting is that I wasn't a triathlete myself but I started going to triathlons and photographing triathlon just to like support friends. They'll be like, oh, you want to come out? Uh, we're going to be racing. And I'll be like, yeah, sure. I'll come out and I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll shoot you guys so you guys have the memories. So that's how it started. It started very like organic, I feel. And you talk about this transition from architecture to photography. Like where did your, did your passion for architecture just come from growing up with you know, a family that was art focused and that was the career path you decided to take? Uh, That's a good question. You know, I feel like when I finished high school and I was looking for sort of like um, a horizons, a career to study, I found myself to be more on the creative side. So I thought I would join architecture because I wanted to like express that. I I found the career very beautiful and I enjoyed it. And then when I finished, I I actually studied in Canada. So when I finished, I stayed there to work for many years doing airport planning, which is completely like unrelated to what I'm doing now. And then, uh, you know, I moved here to Miami like five years ago and I started doing more residential architecture. Uh, But nobody in my family is really an architect. I was just, uh, you know, my my Italian dad who I grew up with, he's in the construction business. So he was like, hey, why don't you study architecture so you can come work with me? But, you know, it never happened. And what about that transition, you know, to stepping into the photography world full time? Um, You know, I think some of the listeners of our shows are pro athletes who, you know, like Haley and myself at one point kind of had to step away from a job or figure out maybe how to do both and kind of foster that hobby that you're trying to make into more of like your main gig, that sort of thing. So, you know, was that scary for you? Can you tell us about, was it just really, were you like, whoa, this is like a need I can fill. And it was like, took off and you never had to look back. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I see that. No, it was like with the pandemic, you know, I started working from home. I was still doing my architecture job, but I started working from home 
And I had more free time now that I was home. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my Instagram page because I wanted to share what I have been doing here locally in Miami, uh, you know, supporting friends and shooting local races, triathlon races. And, you know, that picked up and I found myself doing both things at the same time. And it was really intense. So I was working full time as an architect up until last year. And I think I started... I started pursuing more art, uh, more photography, sorry, maybe like almost two years ago, more, uh, you know, at putting myself out there, going to events, things like that. So there was a point uh, last summer where I saw it picking up that I was like, okay, maybe I have enough that I can like leave my architecture job because I was way more happy doing photography, like going out to races, traveling, meeting wonderful people and athletes that you know at one point I said I have to like I have to jump I have to do the switch because I'm never gonna have you know this opportunity again it's either now or never and I feel like you know I've been I've been blessed in a way that it really it worked out and so tell us about your photography business are you working mostly for brands or for individual athletes I would say a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I've worked with some athletes and also for brands. So I'm sort of freelance now and sometimes for the event, uh, you know, it really depends. And, you know, I've, I've like I've become a big, big fan of triathlon like for a few years now. So, you know, a lot of the athletes that I have been following, it's been amazing to finally get to meet them in person and work with them. You know, I've worked a ton with Rudy Von Berg. Uh, and, you know, and some of the athletes, but yeah, basically it's uh, freelance for athletes and brands. And what about where, you know, you're shooting the athletes? Do you prefer to do this in a studio or out in like their element? You know, if like you're working with Rudy on something, are you like, just go train? I'm going to follow you around for the day. Like, how does that work? <laughs> uh, I'd say I prefer outside. Like, um, you know, I love nature. I love being outside. So I'm, um, I haven't really delved that much into studio work, uh, so ma mainly outside. But it's it's funny because I, I feel like this is an industry that's very heavily, um, that's relied more on men. Like it's not very usual to see a female sports photographer. So I feel like there's some interesting, uh, how, how to say, like interesting mechanics that derive from that. Like, for example, Rudy, sometimes he's being like, oh, so tomorrow we, I have a 10 mile run and it's going to be on this trail and there's rocks. So you have to bring your bike. <laughs> this is like last year. And I remember I wasn't feeling too comfortable at that point, like being on a bike with all my camera gear. And I was like, what? I'm like, Rudy, OK, you have a girl sports photographer. Like, let's change her out. Let's pick an easy thing. I go with my bike. I'll take all my gear. He's like, oh, OK, we'll change her out. How do you feel like you're like received by the photographer community? Because I saw you in Los Angeles, you were shooting yeah. the PTO Pro-Am. And I do think every other photographer there, they had a lot. They had a lot of like world-class sports, endurance sport photographers there. And you were included with that. But I do believe you were the only woman. Were you, did you feel like, you know, embraced by that community? Yeah, I love that question because I feel like that's been a very influential factor in me uh, you know, diving so deep into sports photography, I feel like uh, because I'm one of the few women around in the media environment, you know, I've, I've received a lot of love. Like I found so many amazing friends 
uh, you know, from the very beginning, from Eduardo from Ron Durance, who's a local uh, photographer here in Miami, is also amazing. We became like really good friends from the beginning. He supported me a lot to James Mitchell, who's like now a great friend and I love a lot as well. You know, I feel like everyone has been very special to me, has treated me, you know, amazingly. So I that has been one of the main reasons why I feel like, you know, I've been able to like do this so much and get so much out of it. Are there any things, oh, Oh. I was going to, well, you talked about like, oh, okay, you know, this, the mountain biking, the trail, you know, shooting on a trail run is a little bit difficult for you, but are there any things that you think that being a woman gives you an advantage? Um, I'm, you know, just, I'm, is there anything that you can think of? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like one of the things that I can think of is when I work with other female athletes, like I feel that there's a different chemistry when you're between women and or when you, you know, have to have like a female athlete work with a male photographer. I feel like that's one of the advantages. And, I, and I've spoken about this with other photographers. They've been like, yeah, it's great to have you around. Because then when we have other girls, it's just like a different energy and things flow better. Or, you know, female athletes, some might feel more comfortable. I don't know. I just find like uh, maybe that's one of the advantages. And Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's more, but you know, that was one that I've actually like discussed with other photographers out there. And you know, there's like the pros and cons, like sometimes I'm trying to get inspired by other like male photographers and be like, okay, I got to do this. Like if he can go on a bike, if he can hold this, if he can hold his gear, then I can do it. So then like, you know, I'm getting like, I'm trying to get, um, you know, as as seemingly as possible process for like when other athletes work with me, they don't feel like, oh, she can't do this because she's a girl, you know, because I'm an athlete myself. So it's always like challenging me to do more. And Deb, you were recently at the Ironman World Championships in St. George. So can you talk about your process for taking photos at an Ironman race? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ironman races, um, they're very unique to shoot and you know the the world championships that was uh, a very interesting event because you know you got uh, the span of the course is really big and then you have like the hills and I remember that day I rented an e-bike which is what I usually do some events like when I know I'm going to be traveling a lot I rent an e-bike and then you have to pre-plan your position like you have to know where you want to be you have to time it. There's like a whole science to it because you have to like, you know, make your plans and be super prepared ahead of time. Like I know, you know, what spot I have to be at, what time, when do I have to leave, you know, how many women I might get. Maybe I'll get like the first 10 and then I go to the next spot. So I remember that day I was uh, with my all my gear on the e-bike really early before you guys even reached um, Snow Canyon, like the bottom of Snow Canyon. I was there. And then you know I have I had like two two or three points on the bike course, and then I after I finished getting all my bike shots, I got on the e-bike and I started like shooting down to try to get back to get the run. So at the end of the day, I like if I look at my Garmin, sometimes I've done like miles and miles of between walking and riding the bike, and then at the, and I I remember I forgot my sunscreen and my hat like blew up <laughs> on the race. So at the end of the day, I was like burnt or crisp like exhausted I didn't have water I usually you know it's it's really hard to like drink or eat while you're doing that so I feel like a full Ironman is more of a challenge uh because 
it, you know, it depends what race, like the world championship, like here at St. George, I didn't really have time to like eat or drink. Like since I left the house in the morning to, you know, when I got the last woman, uh, I hadn't drank like water or anything. So it's, it's a challenge. And do you spend the days before then, like, or at least the day before kind of scoping the course, picking the spots, like doing the calculations, mm -hmm. like when people will be there, that sort of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually we scout the course. I remember I went, I think it was with James and someone else, Gerard from Pro Triathlon Training was there with us. We scouted the course, you know, we decided which points we wanted, like from, you know, a photography perspective, which spot looked the best and what's the closest because you don't want to get too far that, you know, you it's going to be really hard to get back. And so what kind of camera and gear are you typically carrying when you're at a race, when you're at, at your e-bike? Do you have a special backpack? Um, I mean, sounds like we need to like figure out how to have like a special sunscreen holster for you. <laughs> I always forget the sunscreen. I'm the worst. Um, I have, yeah, I have a backpack and I try to, you know, pack as light as possible. So I'll have like two camera bodies and two lenses, like the one, the classic 70 to 200. And then I'll have a 2470, which is like a wider lens. It get, lets you get the action from closer up. That's what I have. I'll try not to like overpack because then when I'm, you know, traveling with the camera, it gets, it gets really heavy. And I, I remember at the 70.3 World Champs last year, I climbed. So I went with an e-bike all the way up the hill, you know, when you're coming out of Snow Canyon. So I went up there. And then when I was coming down, I was coming, I was breaking and I was coming down at like 30 miles per hour with all my, with all my gear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't like hit a stone or something on a trip with all my cameras. Yeah. And what about, um, the most challenging, it sounds like Ironmans in general, because of the length and the length of the course, you know, it makes them quite challenging, but is there a race that you would say, whether it's Ironman distance or not, has been your most challenging to shoot? Um, hmm. I, I'll have to think about this one. I feel like the, the St. George ones have been very demanding physically because, you know, they're not, the run is a loop, but the bike is really long and, you know, you're traveling a lot. So I feel like those have been really uh, intense. If it's a 70.3, it's a little bit easier because you're done in a few hours. It's not like, like a full day thing. Uh, but I feel like, you know, to do this, you have to be fit. Like my dad would tell me, my dad is like, oh, that, what you do, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I can't be like on a bike holding the camera and the camera is very heavy. So like when you hold it up, like after you're done, I need like, I go to my massage therapist and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just did a raise. Like I need a massage. <laughs> this is truly why you are on the Iron Women podcast because it does, <laughs> you are Iron Woman worthy. Uh, do you have a favorite image that you've captured? Mm, if I have to think, but one that really comes to mind is uh, I was at Challenge Miami back when it was Challenge and it was in Clash and Lucy was there. She had finished her race and the men were racing and she was cheering on Reese and I caught her like you can see her uh, cheering on him and then you can see Reese in the background. That's that's one of my favorite ones, I think. Uh, and that's Lucy Charles Barkley cheering on Reese 
Barkley or Therese Barkley. Charles Barkley, her, uh, her husband, but that is a cool, unique, unique chance that they both professional triathletes and they actually got to like cheer each other on because the races are at different times. So that is really cool to see that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really special. And what about Photoshop and editing? Do you edit your photos? Do you have to edit them in a way to fit the request of the brand or an athlete? Like, how does that work? Yeah, for editing, so after the race is done, usually the brands want the images like ASAP. So you have to get home, download everything, make your selection, edit them and send them out. So my day isn't really done when the race is over. It's just like I get home and it's usually like another three hours, you know, four hours. I try to do it as, as quick as possible because it's it's like a game, t- uh, time game, sorry. But uh, yeah, I do my editing. And then when there's a shoot with an athlete, uh, it's the same. You have a little bit more time and flexibility because you're not like on the gun to, to deliver the image. But when it's a race, you usually have to do it like very fast. And so YouTube channels and Instagram reels, video, you know, as a format has become super popular among endurance sports athletes and brands. Do you do any video work? You know, I haven't really uh, dived deep into video, but I'm going to start like, cause I know friends have been asking me, athletes have been asking brands and there's been a huge switch to video. Uh, so I've bought all the gear that I need. I'm practically ready to start shooting video and I will only because, you know, it's been, it's, it's a very high demand right now. Um, I think I still always love to do more photography than video. I feel, uh, and you know, there's also like a special aspect with photography where you can, uh, you know, photography can turn into something physical, like you can print an image and it can be in your house and you'll always be able to see it whereas a video will always be digital but um I do love you know video as well and I think I'm going to start doing more of that now for sure is the mindset different when you're shooting video like are you I mean I I I don't know the difference (laughs) I mean I know there's a difference like (laughs) I do with my iPhone but not from an art perspective (laughs) I mean are you are you finding different backgrounds are you you know setting yourself up differently if when you're doing video yeah, I mean, I I haven't done it as much. Uh, I've done a few tests here and there, but I feel like uh, it's a similar eye because the composition is similar to photography, but um, at, video might be a bit more forgiving than photography. You know, you have more time to capture the action versus uh, photography. It's just like, you know, one shot, like you got one shot, somebody passes by, you got that one shot. So I feel like it's a bit more forgiving, but it is a similar mindset. Like if you have a good eye for photography, I think that you'd have a similar good eye for video. And what about people you've admired um, in photography, you know, in general, maybe in sports or sports photography or something like that, you know, have there been women photographers that you look up to? You mentioned kind of, I think your dad, right? Who was a photographer, but like, what about have there been any female photographers that you've kind of been able to look up to as you've been on this journey? Um, interestingly enough, you know, uh, particularly like female photographers, I found a few, but in triathlon, um, there's, there's one girl that she works with Marcel Hilker, Carla, and I, I love her work. And there's also a girl named Chloe, but she does more video work. And she was at 
she was in LA, Haley, for the PTO prom. Oh, okay. She was shooting. Her. Yeah, okay. she was shooting there as well. So she's the only female. And she said that when she saw, like, who was going to be there shooting, when she saw my name, she's like, oh, I know who she is. She's like the only girl who shoots triathlon. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, Elisa, um, you know, I, I think that I haven't really come across too many women. There are upcoming um there's one girl called Nettie that she's just starting as well uh, shooting but there aren't as many and you know it's something I would love to see as well but I feel like uh, as an inspiration like James Mitchell was a huge inspiration of mine it's not a he's not a woman but he was a <laughs> it was a big inspiration are you do you, and do you so have you worked with James like when you say we when you're in St. George are you both riding e-bikes together and kind of stationing in similar areas? Like, do you, are you by yourself most of the time? Uh, well, no, we didn't ride the e-bikes together. I think this time in St. George, yes, we've worked together for, you know, for a while. And in St. George, what we did is like he rented a van. So then he would drive the van and I would shoot or I would drive the van and he would shoot. That's what we did like for the week that we were there. Okay. So there is a bit of uh, collaboration and camaraderie, but then it sounds like you are by yourself sometimes. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been changing. Like sometimes I do collaborate, like I work a lot as well with Eduardo from Raw Endurance, who's based in Miami as well. Like sometimes we work in jobs together. He comes to races and he shoots video and I shoot the stills. Then sometimes I work with James, um, you know, there's all the photographers, Gerard from Pro Triathlon Training as well. I've done work with him. So sometimes there's collaboration. Sometimes I'm alone. I, I feel like I, I love both because uh, it's, a, it's a very social job at the end of the day. And, you know, I've been loving meeting everyone and just traveling and getting out there. And you talked about how when the race is done, you know, you get back to wherever you're staying, you get the photos edited, get them to the brands, you know, that sort of thing. Do you have issues or have you ever had issues with photos ending up on social media or elsewhere kind of without your permission? Cause it's, you know, I can imagine like one click of the mouse and it gets sent and then they send it and then they send it and then boom, it's like on Instagram and there's no, you know, credits. And you're like, wait, this is like a job for me. Right. So what, how does, you know, have you had problems with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happens all the time. Like believe it or not, because, and you know, it's, it's an interesting switch of mind for me because before this used to be my hobby. So before I didn't care as much, I was like, oh yeah, it's wonderful. Like, you know, my photos out there. But then as I started learning more about the industry, you know, I learned that there's rights to licensing an image. So pretty much every time somebody uses your image, they need to have your permission, whether it be like a monetary, whether you're getting paid or not, but you know, you need the permission of the photographer to like share the image. So it's happened to me a lot of times, it's happened to me with brands. And then I have to reach out and be like, oh, thank you for using my image. But you know, I this, image has licensing cost so then you know I have to go through the process of explaining that and sometimes it happens with athletes too like they will share with the sponsors or they because you know not everyone knows about it and I feel like that's okay it's part of the educating process like it's something I have to learn as well uh, you know so I feel like as long as you're nice and you just explain it to people like they'll they'll understand but yeah it happens all the time 
And as far as educating people, so, so if you receive a photo, it's like, it is, it's, you know, the brand or an athlete before you post that on Instagram, before you share it with a brand, before you share it. I mean, I guess maybe you could share it with like your mom and be like, put this in your, in your office, but don't post it online without permission. I mean, is that, it, it should be the athlete or it should be the brand should be checking with you and making sure that they are within the licensing agreement. Is that right? Yeah, I feel like when it's the brand, because the brand is purchasing the licensing rights for the image. So the brand will usually give the image to the athlete, uh, you know, the athlete they sponsor. And that's that's totally okay. But then when it's like sometimes I give, uh, you know, an athlete that I know, I'll give them a race image. And then if they share that with the brand that sponsors them, then that's where it gets a little bit tricky because uh, if it's directly with a the brand, then you would need to sell the licensing rights to a brand. And, you know, that's what, that's what, what I run into the most, like athletes not knowing and just giving the photo to their sponsors uh, just like that. Not cool. We need to make sure that Deb is getting paid for her hard work so you can get back out there and you have e-bike rental fees to pay. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, no. And it happens to, a, to all the photographers. Like I've, I've talked about this with like all the guys, uh, you know, it, it happens often that they think that, you know, because the image is digital, somebody can just like screenshot a, a brand even like, and post it. But then the reality is like, no one will really, you know, come into my house take my car keys and just like drive my car away it's the same thing it's like a, it's, it's like something I own you know so you wouldn't take it without asking but it's it's the same concept I think and what about tips for anyone trying to get a great shot for their own Instagram you know especially if we don't have you nearby to to come take our photos you know what if we're using an iPhone are there things we can do to help us get a little bit better of a shot for ourselves yeah, I feel like with iPhone now, anyone, anyone can take like a great photo because it just has such good quality and even video, like video looks amazing. I feel like something really important is composition, like, you know, making sure that things look straight. Like sometimes I give my phone to my mom and I'll be like, hey, can you take a picture? And then I see the photo and it's like all crooked and it's like my feet are cut. <laughs> just like making sure like you don't cut the feet, you know, things are like leveled and the composition looks right as in, you know, everything's straight and uh, keeping the phone straight also like some people tilt the phone up or, or, or down and that, that distorts the image, you know, that's. <laughs> I was trying on dresses last week to see how they looked and I gave my boyfriend my phone and he did that exact thing. Like I even had like shoes on. I was trying with the dress on and like, I was like, take a picture, you know, so I can see how I look in this and I'm like posing whatever. And then I get the camera and it's like all my ankles, like just cut my ankles. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Cause you would think that I assume that everyone naturally sees that, but not everyone sees that, you know, Some do you think your are... architecture, like kind of education and background also does give you a leg up on people for the composition factor? I think it does. I think it does. Cause I've spent, you know, a number of years just like uh, looking at design and, and you know, that industry itself is very, like you have to be detail oriented. And I feel like it has helped me a lot for the photography work I do. But I, you know, I, I think composition is something like, I feel you can study for sure as well. Oh, 
there are ways to get better. There's hope. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> Deb, do you know of any races that you'll be working at later this year? Yes. So I've been thinking about going to Kona. I think I wasn't going to go, but then uh, I think this week, I'm, you know, I'm starting conversations and I'm plan trying to plan it out. So I think I'll be at Kona. Uh, then I'll be at the 70.3 World Champs in St. George. Uh, I think that VTO Dallas is happening before that. There's a chance I might be there as well. And each other race and I think Daytona at the end of the year because it's sort of like one of the only local races I have because it's a three-hour drive so it's like the closest race I have here so I think I'll be there as well so there's a few more do you like do you like shooting it like Daytona or Miami where it's on a racetrack like that does that make your life any easier (laughs) oh yeah it does because like you see you know, you see the athletes like 17 times. I think it was Clash Miami. I think it was 17 laps around uh, the Speedway. So it's like you have so many chances and you don't really have to move. You see the person just like in front of you. And I remember I was out on the course and I can't, I don't remember who it was. They kept asking me, like athletes kept asking me, is this the last lap? How many laps do I have left? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to say because I don't want to like... <laughs> You don't want to be the person who gave the wrong information and then someone does an extra lap or someone stops early and they're like, but Deb said. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I can't remember who it was when they asked. I've had uh, athletes ask me. But yeah, it definitely does make life easier for me and for the spectators too because it's you really get so many chances to see you know, the athletes because in an Ironman, you only see them where you are in the course and that's it unless it's like a two-loop run course or something like that. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And we look forward to uh, to seeing some of your work later this season. What What is the best way to follow your Instagram? Is that the best way to follow you? Yeah. So the best way to follow me is on Instagram. And the handle is uh, at D narrow gate, just the letter okay. D. But we will be sure to coming. link to that in all of our show notes. Everyone can follow you and um, watch all of your great photography. But thank you for thank you for all of your great images that you've captured so far during your career. And we can't wait to see what's next. No, thank you for having me. And I hope to see you guys soon at a race. And uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been really fun. <laughs> thank you. Big thank you to Deborah Castellanos for being our guest on today's show. Be sure to follow Deb's photography on Instagram at dnarrowgate, and maybe you'll even be lucky enough to see her behind the camera at an upcoming race. Also, a quick reminder that the special 30% off discount that's off everything at insidetracker.com ends on June 30th. So if it's, you're listening to this on June 30th, you can use that feisty ebook 30 code to get 30% off. If you missed that, you can still head to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.